May Roadshow episode number 202. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me here in Melbourne, Australia, but instead we've got a man that's quickly becoming a staple of, of the MMA Roadshow, a man that uh, deserves some respect for the grind. We'll get into that in just a second, but Oscar Willis is here from the MacLife.com and he, and he came with beverages in hand, a bottle of we're, we're skipping the frosty beverages tonight. You're a, you're a rather slim man. I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you kind of work on the physique. So you said, no frosty beverages, but I'll bring over a bottle of Smirnoff. I just thought, you know, if we're here where it's a sunny day, we've got to be a bit classy. You know, we want something that goes down smooth. So Well done. We are. We're sitting here in, uh, I have an Airbnb apartment. We, uh, we're posted up in here. It is in Melbourne. A beautiful day. We're sitting here. Um, it's actually Friday here in Melbourne, but it's still Thursday night, the way we always do it back home in the United States, but it is beautiful. I'm up on the, the 23rd floor, kind of overlooking downtown. I mean, this is not a this is not a bad gig, and uh, it's kind of nice to get done with work in time to, to see a little daylight. Man, it's it's a trip. It's a pr- Moments like this are when you really appreciate the, the grind and the, the work, you, you know, getting out on the road. Dude, who doesn't love this, right? Get to see a little daylight. It's good. I, I, before we get too far into uh, USC 234, which is the reason we're here, and we definitely will get into it, I do want to say, uh, you know, you have been around a little bit more, and I just want to give you a shout-out, man. Um, the MacLife.com, um, you know, obviously associated with Conor McGregor. We'll, we'll say right now that does not mean that you have a direct line to Conor McGregor news, unfortunately, so we will not be breaking any uh, <laughs> you know, much-wanted news about his next move and his next fight and everything that's happening with him, but... Uh, listen, man, uh, you know, we started hanging out a little bit more just because when you're on the road and, and you're out and about, man, you, you kind of seek out the familiar faces. You're in a different place every week. You don't, you don't know where to go eat. You don't know where to, to go drink. You don't know where to hang out. Uh, and so you kind of seek out familiar faces. And I guess for maybe anybody that didn't know, uh, the MacLife.com behind the scenes is, is, is putting in work, man. You guys are, are dedicated to covering the game. Man, I, I really appreciate that genuinely. And, um, especially here that from someone like yourself uh even the other day at the media day there was a moment where my mic flag was next to your mic flag and casey's from mma fighting's mic flag and i thought holy shit i'm with the fucking big boys now That's and right. it, it's uh so to hear that i really appreciate that man Thank it's you. cool man it's good to have you around so uh we should say we're literally right next door to the host hotel um if you kind of want to understand the scene of melbourne and this is your first time here i've been here a couple times before um the they stay at a place called the crown mm-hmm. which we've been Basically, all the media stuff has been there all week long. Tomorrow, we'll go to the arena. Um, but just huge, massive, yeah. and beautiful, man. You live in Las Vegas now. Yeah. Um, if you can tell by the accent, not born and raised <laughs> there. Uh, but you live in Las Vegas now. And I would say, I mean, this place, I think it's basically like three hotels in one. There's a casino. There's a theater that we were in today, which was a beautiful theater where the press conference was. Uh, but this this little whole thing it, it rivals anything in las vegas oh for sure i think that actually the uber driver told me oh this is the vegas we have here in melbourne i was like yeah it feels like it because they have like a cinema in there yeah they got everything is it crazy big it is big man so impressive kind of scenario to, to host the whole event that we've been at all week and uh, i will say one thing though as nice as it is and by the way i did check rooms over there because i, I like if you can stay at the host hotel, it makes life a lot easier, right? I mean, you don't have to worry about trekking somewhere. You can just drop your gear off upstairs. You can do whatever. Uh, usually the UFC will have a nice Wi-Fi, which <laughs> like this Airbnb that I have, as nice as it is, the Wi-Fi sucks. Yeah. Uh, but, man, the rooms over there were like 
four hundred bucks a night or something. Yeah, it's not cheap. Not cheap in Melbourne to go to a no. hotel, like a hotel near here. Oh my god, it's, it's incredibly expensive. But I would say if, if you're if you're if you're visiting Australia, if you're going to take the time to come to Australia, I said it today to somebody. I think you know Sydney would probably be the number one place for everybody because it's the most well known. But I think this is a cool town, man. I think this is I I, I the, the couple times I've been here, man, the people are cool. The food is good, like the vibe. I don't know, man. I, I, I like every time I come to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, you know, people always say, like, oh, you travel a lot for work. You must have a great time. It's like, well, dude, I usually see an inside of a plane and a hotel room, and that's about it. But this is my first time in Australia, first time in Melbourne. I've made the effort to get walking around and seeing it, and that's how you really appreciate sure. a place. And, dude, it's a cool spot, man. Like, I, I was saying, like, oh, as far as places to live, I could, I could have this on that list. Yeah, it's not a bad place. I will say, uh, as nice as that place is, uh, every day in the media room, instant coffee. Who the hell? Instant coffee? <laughs> Savages. What is that, man? Animals who, down who under. melts crystals in water, dude? What is that? <laughs> like, run it over some beans, for Christ's sake. Is that too much to ask? Man. Uh, but it's been great, man. It, we're, we're, we're one day away from the weigh-ins. It's for anybody that doesn't know, I know a lot of people will listen to this probably the day of the weigh-ins. We are going to have old-school weigh-ins. It's going to be fighter a fighter b face off there's no two times the scale there's no ceremonial weigh-ins it's all going to be right there so that'll be tomorrow but at this point we're all done with the media we've we've done all of our interviews we've done the press conference and it's funny because we were going to sit down yesterday and 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 do this yesterday and kind of knock it out early do it on thursday night here we ended up pushing it back just because schedule was so tight um and i'm kind of glad we did because we got the press conference day and of course the main event and we'll get to the co-main because I know everybody loves that. But the main <laughs> event, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gaslam, a big fight, no question about it. Um, I think it's starting to gain steam. I think it's starting to gain traction, especially here. I mean, you can tell around here Robert Whitaker means something. But I'm kind of glad we waited because today at the press conference, I, I, I felt like we saw some some Robert Whitaker character man I thought we you know we, we saw some some fun from him you know uh he, he was cracking jokes he kind of ridiculed a reporter who who uh who who basically had just said you know don't look past somebody and then hey what happens in your next fight he's like mate you just said don't look past somebody you know yeah. so uh it was good man but what's what's been your take around Robert Whitaker because I, there's no question the big story of this fight is that Robert Whitaker is just not a big star, and he's an incredible fighter. Um, I, I heard Dana White say on Jim Rome uh, before he flew down here, you know, he's the most underrated champion on our roster. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I you know, now that Demetrius is gone, because uh, if Demetrius was still around, I think maybe you could make that argument. But I would agree. So you know, we've we spent a lot of time around Robert Whitaker this week. What's what's your take? And uh, I mean, just give me your, give me your opinion on this week, mate. You're absolutely right. So in America, Robert Whitaker is not a big star down here. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, today at the press conference, I, everyone's talking about Israel versus Anderson. Of course. And, and rightfully so. But today at the press conference, when Rob walked out on stage, the crowd went insane. A pop, a pop. I was like, I was, I was like, oh, wow. Like, these guys are into it. And then when he did his face off with Kelvin, they said, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Like, he is their guy. Like, Israel's, you know, from this region. But you can tell that they're like, oh, yeah, he's cool. Right. But Robert's their guy. Yep. And you get that sense. And I think I asked him at the. Uh, we had a media dad at gym the other day where he worked out for us. I said, oh, are you trying to win down here to show the UFC that you don't need to fight in America anymore? You can fight down here all the time and draw a crowd. And he's like, dude, I've done that. And like, he's, They know. Yeah, that was his answer. Yeah, they know. Yeah. They know I can fight here. Yeah, and it, it's true, man. Like He draws a crowd even at the open workouts. Like, I mean, it, it ran real long, and the crowd didn't disappear. They nope. stayed there for him, and then he did a great workout. Like, yeah, I think... I think 
he's a big deal. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody today, and, and uh, I don't want to say he's a throwback, but it's funny because, I mean, this is the Conor McGregor era, uh, you know, uh, not just making things up for the Mac life there, but of course, <laughs> man, this is the Conor McGregor era. And then you could, I mean, if you want to, you call it the Chill Sunday era. Well, I mean, trash talk sells these yeah. days. And trash talk will always sell. I mean, yes, fighting is a sport, and it's, a, it's a, you know, it's we, we love it. It's a martial art. But at the end of the day, like, when you have a grudge match between two people that hate each other, it's fun to watch, right? Yeah, I mean, it stirs interest. But now it's almost that point where it's like you have to talk trash. You have to be, you know, this this big braggadocio kind of guy to get attention. And Robert kind of reminds me of like I think just a few years ago when we were still trying to get mainstream acceptance, when we were still trying to explain to people like, look, these people are not savages. Like what they're doing, they're they're educated people. They're smart people. Like this is a professional sport. They make sacrifices. They handle. And I feel like Robert ticks all those boxes. Like. Take like Rich Franklin back in the day, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's It's a throwback to Rich. Yeah, you know that that was the guy. Like all these this crazy sport. You're like, my man, here's a math teacher. You know what I mean? How could how could these be that? And Robert's that guy. He's like, you know, again, you you know, you said he did a gym day for us. Then we then he did a a, a media session and an open workout thing there. We got to hear from him as well. And of course the press conference. So we've seen him every day this week. And I I am just starting to get reminded of of and and been impressed where he, he talks about how humble his beginnings were. You know, that line at the gym where he was just like, mate, you know, when I was growing up, like I, just the idea of like being able to afford my own rent was as yeah. much as I thought. You know, when I got my first car, I thought I had made it, you know. And, you know, I asked him about legacy and, and what his legacy He's like, I have three legacies already, you know, referring to his children. I mean, he's just a classy dude that you'd love to represent your sport. For real. And, and I, I mean – Dana kind of touched on today that I guess a guy like that, the only way you get respect is you just keep knocking off people, keep knocking off people. But Demetrius Johnson never got that respect. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm start, I've warmed to Robert more and more over the years, and he's an incredible fighter, man. Those wars with Yoel Romero, I, I just don't know. I know people say, oh, the UFC need to, needs to do better at promoting this guy and making him a star. And I just don't see an easy path to making him a star, and I think it kind of sucks because he's a great fighter and a great dude. Dude, I tell you what, as you were talking there, I suddenly had, a, ironically enough, a throwback to Anderson. Anderson was not a big deal until Chael Sonnen showed along. And sometimes to, true. to be a star, you need to just be the star, right? right? And Anderson got that with Chael. And I wonder if Israel wins and they make and Robert wins and they make that fight, if Whitaker smashed Adesanya, I'd say he could get pretty big off the back of that, dude, because Adesanya's got all this crazy hype around him. And if Robert Whitaker's like, yeah... I've been here. You know, then you I think it would work the other way, like you know, saying Anderson. Let, let's say Anderson does have some resurgent night or whatever, yeah, yeah. and he wins, and then Whitaker smashes him, or are you just like Whitaker just smashed a forty-four-year-old. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> when you say it like that, but I mean, we'll, we'll get to the co-main event later. But I think, I think most people are watching Anderson versus Israel. Like Anderson's, if he wins, it's because he's pulled something off, right? And then I think most people will take that into Whitaker fight. Like, oh, he got lucky that one. But it's true. And so if Whitaker won that, I think... Sucks, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the attitude, right? If I had a sign, they're going to be like, oh, fucking this unstoppable hype train. Right. And then if Whitaker smashed him, that'd be... So it wouldn't work both ways, unfortunately. But. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, the open workout session, let's just say, I mean, uh, Robert looked good, man. He, he looked fresh. Uh, I think you touched on it. I think you're dead right. I mean, probably no secret. Uh he, you know, he basically he, he went five rounds on yeah. the stage, and it looked like he was essentially running through his game plan, which is you know slip out of the pocket, throw the check hook, move, you know, use the jab, that sort of thing. I mean, Kelvin's gonna come at him, man. There's yeah. there's there, I I ended up picking Rob in this fight, and and I think the the 
what he showed over the two fights with Yoel, man. Dude. Just, I mean, <laughs> a dude that can stand in with that scary dude <laughs> and, and come out victorious, no matter how close, yeah. you know, no matter how – the, the fact that you could go ten full rounds with that guy, that impresses the hell out of me. But, uh, listen, man, Kelvin Kelvin does hit hard, no question about it. And I feel like the pace that he's going to be able to push, the fact that, you know, with Yoel, if there is one shining light in facing Yoel, it's that at least you know, like, I'm getting this bull rush – and I'm going to have about 30 seconds to chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, then I can catch my breath. Yeah. I can re- like, I mean, Kelvin's not going to do that. So, And, look, I mean, one of the reasons we're impressed by Rob is he got touched up in those fights and showed heart. But if Yoel touched him up, I mean, what can Kelvin do? So um, give, give me, just give me your thoughts on Kelvin's chances coming in this fight and what, and what you think about him this week. Because, ironically, he's not the biggest star. Right. I don't know if he has the highest star quality either. And it's, again, he's not a trash talker. He's a blue-collar guy. He's this and that. Um, but just give me your thoughts on, on Kelvin and, and what you think about his chances. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Rob's clearly looking to stick and move and circle and circle. And the reason he's doing that is because I think Kelvin Kelvin's considered this young up-and-comer, right? And he fights like one, like, oh, I'm ready to go. He right. flies at you. like um, Almost like Alex Hernandez did to Cerrone, you know? Right. That, obviously, that didn't work out, but... <laughs> Yeah, to say the least. But, I mean, that's, you know, he fights like a young dude, like, oh, fucking, it's time to go. And I think that's what's going to happen fight night. I really think he's going to... And I think we're setting up to see a big guy versus a little guy battle. And it's going to be, can Rob hit and move, or will Kelvin close that gap? And it's funny, because they're both now these kind of boxers, but they both got good wrestling, too. And I wonder if Kelvin's clinch game might be a factor here. If he closes the gap and Rob tries to run out the side, Try to push if, Kelvin the can, if Kelvin can grab him, get him to that fence, and then work on the inside, you know, and, and like you said, Kelvin's got gas for days. Right. Like, that guy can set a high pace. Rob, too. It's it's a fascinating fight. And one thing I will say is Kelvin can often creep under the radar, but one person you can tell just meticulously plans is Rob, so he's not creeping under the radar. So until... It was basically today, seeing them up there, and when they did the stare down, you could see like Rob gets in his zone, oh, yeah. and Kelvin's just sitting there like, oh, yeah. And today's the first time I was like, that is, that's got the makings of a classic. Like I'm, I'm not overstating. I think a classic fight could be made. I agree, man, and, and I understand. Again, I understand why the buzz isn't there. It's not the, it's not the trash talk. There's not hatred. There's not right. But these are two dudes that, that, again, both of them came from home beginnings. Both of them are hardworking dudes. Both of them are classy guys, man, and I like it. The other thing, too, and, and I never really brought it up this week because I don't think the athletes, if I'm being honest, would frame it very well. And it's not even really their job to frame it well. But what do you think about the idea that these are both former welterweights and, and they're finding high success at middleweight? I mean, I, I remember, and I'll, and I'll own up to it, man, when Robert Whitaker decided to move uh, up to middleweight, I'm like, he's not big mm. enough, dude. He's going to have problems in that division because there's monsters in there, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, you know, without putting himself through the grueling weight cut, he's having success. Kelvin Gaston will not throw away the idea. He's like Charles Oliveira. Will yeah. not throw away the idea. Like, bro, stop it. You are not – Charles Oliveira, you are not supposed to be a featherweight. <laughs> Kelvin Gaston, you are not supposed to be a welter. I know you're not very tall, but he's just a thick yeah, dude. Yeah, like, man. I don't think he can go to welter. So, I, I don't know. You know, again, I never really asked those guys because I don't know how they would frame it. But I do kind of find it interesting that we're talking about two top guys in the world who are technically fighting out of their weight class of what you would consider. Like – it does seem to be just lending more and more faith to the, the like maybe these massive weight cuts ain't good for you. Hundred percent. And if you look at like Rob lost to Stephen Thompson, mm-hmm. and now if you looked at their skills and ignored any weight, you would I I would pick Rob Whitaker in that fight if he fought Stephen Thompson today. I agree. Right? Like I just think the skill wise, I agree. 
I think you're absolutely right. It's something I hadn't really thought about. But yeah, these uh, like Kelvin again. It, the guy, like, let it go. <laughs> it's it's over. Let it's, it go, it's, Charles. It, it's, it's yeah. It's, it, it, he's gonna win the world title and be like, I'm dropping this title to go back. Like fucking relax. It's over. But yeah, it, it is interesting. And like you say, there are monsters. But those monsters, ironically, like cut a lot of weight to get to 185. That's true. So maybe if They're they the move, if, they, if they moved up to 205, they would be better, right? Maybe well, it's like this Luke Rockhold moved to 205. I mean. He ain't gonna be tiny up there. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's a big dude. Like and, and same as Yoel. Like these guys, like you know, they cut a shit ton of weight. Like, yeah. And like you said, they're the depleted monsters. So Rob used to. There's there's obviously a line where the diminishing returns is is not worth it. Like so, there's some point where you're like, okay, I'm now bigger and cool. And there's a point where it's like I'm now bigger and drained. Yeah. And there's a, there's a line in which they can't cross. And Rob apparently crossed that line to welterweight, and at 185, crush. And same as Kelvin. Kelvin like, Kelvin is not the fighter he was at welterweight. That dude is on fire. That's true. In there. And I guess too, just for anybody that's into like betting or just is curious about this thing, um, to to clarify, uh, the way that it's being done here in Australia, as we said, the morning weigh-ins, the fighters will be on the scale at 11 a.m. local time. So. It's not 9 a.m., so they've got more time to do the weight cut, um, but they don't get the two-hour window. They've got to be on point, ready to go. Um, and then for reference, the first fight on Sunday morning um, is at 10.30 a.m. So basically 24 hours is what these guys are getting to do. So if anybody was doing one of those massive weight cuts, you know, they wouldn't have that extra 12 hours or so that they have now. So um, – Listen, I end up picking Robert Whitaker. We do staff selections. I don't ever pretend to be the, the, the greatest <laughs> expert of all times, but do you have a, a, a gut feeling or a lean? Or because or, uh, man, I do feel like I do feel like this is pretty much a toss-up, bro. Right, dude. So up until today, I've been Rob Whitaker. I just thought like, uh, you know, he's he's essentially a bigger and smart, a slightly better version of Kelvin. You know, right. they're both great boxers, good wrestling, tough guys, but. As we talk about it, I think like, oh man, Kelvin is gonna come at him, and he did get hit. I know. And there's, despite the fact, I mean, Rob looks amazing. That open workout was great, but there is this like, people don't really go through those wars and come out the same. Like That's right. Carlos Condit and Robbie Lawler. I don't think Carlos has ever really looked the same. And definitely not. Rory McDonald and Robbie. Lawler, apparently, Robbie Lawler takes your shit, but <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you know, like that. That's an asterisk for me. Like, you know, it's 10, 10 rounds of Yara Romero is like a prison sentence. I agree, right? There's, I mean, you could look at it either way. Either A, this dude is a, 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 amazing because he went through these 10 rounds. And, and, I, and I think that is a lot of why I'm giving him so much credit. Like, he impressed me so much. But yeah. you're right. The flip side of that is, what did it take from you? And Kelvin, oh, man. That's why I feel I, – that's why I feel like it's such a toss. Like, yeah. I feel like I need to lean towards Whitaker because of what he's shown me. And I feel like I've been doubting him for forever. But you're right, man. I feel like Kelvin – He's such a live underdog. Here. Well, that, that's the thing as well. Like, it, uh, Kelvin just flies under the radar. And I just think he's going to come out like a steam train. And if Rob tries to stick and move, I really think Kelvin could could I catch agree. him. I mean, it would be stunning if Kelvin like clipped him in the first round and dropped him. But afterwards, I think we'd all be sitting there being like, why didn't we see we, that we coming? Why coming. didn't we see that coming? You know, I really think it could be one of those. It's going to be a good fight. And I guess the last thing we'll say about the main event, um, at least for now, uh, Rod Laver Arena, I know it'll be your first time in there. I will say uh, Robert Whitaker versus Derek Brunson, the atmosphere in there, it's something about the acoustics. I mean, there's a lot of people in a relatively small space. It's the same place they host tennis and stuff, but uh, it's, it's, it's a relatively small space. And it's something about, I don't know, because it's not designed to be like – 
concert acoustics or whatever, like it gets really loud. I said at the time I said it, and 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 uh, I'm anxious to get back in there. It was like one of the top three like loudest buildings I've ever been in. I mean, nice. Dublin was, I mean, just off the charts. Yeah. I mean, that tiny little building with Conor McGregor fever was insane. You know, Bell Center with uh, with George St. Pierre, like that. Th- those were uh, phenomenal in Montreal. But I'm telling you, this arena and Roberts, he's he's referenced it a couple times this week about how special it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. Hopefully, it comes across on the television audience for anybody that's watching. Um, you know, if anybody's gonna be there in person it's your first time to see it man i, th- I think you're gonna enjoy it and uh it's a special atmosphere i was talking about this co-main event israel adesanya versus oh, there's, anderson there's a co-main Silva. event I did, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> all right we're done, we're done. <laughs> main event breakdown's done we're out uh israel adesanya versus anderson silva as you said it's funny uh this week i think the main event started getting some love but until this week it was all about the co-main and Man, I've, I've gone through so many iterations of my feelings on this fight, right? Like, I was not one of the people when they put this together who felt outrage. I, I thought... Me, uh, me neither. Dude, the styles, I get it, man. They're different ages and, and they're different eras. And, you know, I, I heard people saying, oh, it's not fair for you know to put the old guy against the young guy. But come on, that's what this sport does. I mean, that's that's how circle you do it. Circle of life, The man. circle of <laughs> life, is, man. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the styles of this, the, the way they, they mirror each other. And, you know... Izzy doesn't like to be called, a, a, you know, a clone or a newer version. He's like his only, but you know, he does admit, like I, yeah, I, I, I took some stuff from him, and, and 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 it's just, I mean, it's just their body frames look similar. The, I mean, the movements are so incredible. So to be honest with you, I loved the fight. Now, when they said that Anderson was fighting for a title, that bothered me a little bit. I will say, I was like, wait, wait, what? The guy that's got what kind of record in the last few years? The guy that's been around away for two years? Like, how does that make any damn sense? Um, I will say, as we got closer and I started looking at the rankings, I started realizing, well, well, that guy just fought. That guy's hurt. That guy's mm-hmm. moving to light heavyweight. You know, I was like, all right, maybe it's not <laughs> that that out of the realm of, of of reality. And then today at the press conference, you know, when I asked Dana, hey, we know he's fighting for a title. Is Izzy fighting for a title as well? And and Dana, it, it was really funny because it was just like, well, of course. Like yeah, matter yeah. of fact, you know, I was like, well, that's the first time you said it, Tommy. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I, I so I, I'm kind of embracing it now. Um, I'm kind of embracing it now. Like I never had a problem with the fight. Now I'm kind of embracing the t- the title shot aspect of it, knowing that it's on the line for both guys, and realizing there's a lot of people in between one mm-hmm. and where they are that are tied up and, and that sort of thing. Um, but now I'm just looking at the fight itself, man. And the odds are crazy, but I understand the odds. I mean, how do you not go with the young, hot, undefeated oh, yeah. phenom? But, man, you, you've been around Anderson this week. You've been around Izzy this week. Um, what have been your impressions of these guys? Because one is an absolute legend of sport. The other looks like he's in the beginning stages. I mean, you, you hate to jump on some uh, a bandwagon yeah, too yeah. early. But there looks like a, a bright future. Just tell me what you've experienced down here between these two guys. Dude, sometimes in combat sports, there are stories that are retold and told because they're so effective. Like Rocky writ the book, the, the underdog versus the, the undefeatable guy. And then there's the young lion against the old legend. That's it, man. Right? And there's some stories that are told again and again because they're fucking good stories. <laughs> and, dude, if you weren't sold in this fight, I defy you to go to that press conference when they finally stared down and not get like, oh, this is a young boy's coming to like yep. be, to be the man. You got to beat the man, as Ric Flair used to say. That's right. I really got that vibe today. I was like, God damn, this it just has this. It someone you know you don't want to throw this word around, but it did feel like mildly historic to yeah. see like 
and then Israel sort of looked him up and down, and you're like, oh, no, he's a cocky young lion too. Like, you know, it's... Yeah. I love the fight. I really do. And I did... I, you know, I do think, like, kind of poor Anderson, right? Like, this is the guy that Dana used to be like, he's an artist. I love dealing <laughs> with him. That's right. And then today, he's, like, laughing at all of Israel's jokes, and Anderson's sort of just out here on the Got right. The like, just, yeah, <laughs> It's like, left him for a younger model. But it's like, you know, it's like... Ugh. So I feel bad for Anderson. And part of that's like not Anderson's fault per se but like you know Anderson's ending of his career has been murky because of his own issues with Usada and stuff like that it's not like he just started losing loads of times he lost he beat Derry Brunson he popped and then he sort of like you know it's it's not just on the UFC of like here's an old guy whose reputation has been diminished like Anderson's reputation diminished because he's been away and for reasons best known unto himself right but as far as the fight goes, like I have a real buzz for it. Uh, the title shot for Anderson, I'll refer back to my previous statement of like sometimes stories are retold for a good reason. And if you say to me, like, oh, here's a story, the old champion, down on his luck, no one cares about him, you're going to get, oh, he gets one more shot for glory. Bro, I'll buy that ticket That's tomorrow. Right <laughs> I'll now, fucking man. buy that ticket tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm. we've reached an era in the sport where, you know, like you said, trash talk sort of buys title shots, right? right. Talk gets you further, and, and I'm not a fan of that, really. I, I'd ru- I feel like we've crossed into the entertainment era where the sporting aspect of it is hard to sort of find. You know, you have to cherry-pick the moment where the sports are the sport, so right? Which, ironically enough, is why Whitaker and Gaston's great because it's a sporting contest. That's it. But, but sometimes, sometimes the entertainment era does lend itself to a bit of fun. Yeah, it does. And that's happening in Melbourne. (laughs) Okay, listen. uh, By now, I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're at least a moderate uh, to hardcore fan. I mean, you've seen Adesanya by now, right? So it's not like we're we're introducing him to anybody. I mean, he has been all the rage for the past year. Crazy. I mean, it's been one year since he came in. All the rage. Every, you know, a bigger bigger spotlight each and every time. And we've seen it and we felt it and and we've known it was coming. But how about that open workout? How about that open hey. workout? Was that like the moment where – I mean, I doubt either one of us had any shroud of doubt of, of, of what this guy's potential was. Um, but this open workout, you know, it's out in Fed Square, which is kind of this very public area. It's, it's open air. Um, crowd there was solid. It was the same place Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm did their open workout. Um, you know, solid crowd on hand. And Adesanya comes out, moves around, you know – Immediately, like, of course, he's got the flashy stuff. It's incredible. That's great. You know, he's he's during it. He's also kind of motioning to the crowd, you know, let's sear the volume. You know, it's like he's at a concert or something. Pump it up. Let's bring it. You know, so he's motioning the crowd. Goes through his moves. Great, great, great. Closes with a professional wrestling routine you know what i mean it's i mean and, and it was obvious that he's a pretty big fan of pro wrestling like I, I can't name all the moves that he did like some of our colleagues can but but <laughs> but, but i i know what he was doing I've, I've seen these things you know there was multiple pro wrestling it wasn't like one pro wrestling move he did like multiple pro wrestling moves um then you know uh threw one of his boxing gloves out into the audience took another one handed it to a small kid which i mean yes i'm a, I'm a dad of a small kid so i got a soft spot but i mean that's just class right like you always you know a professional athlete you know you take care of the kids there you, you know what Come I mean? on, make a fan for life um you know autographed his uh, shin guards through those out there i mean it was just top to bottom a phenomenal open workout the first one that we've seen from him you know and uh yeah man Look, Anderson's no joke. I mean, to me, Israel Adesanya should win this fight. I mean, 
He should. That said, Israel, you know, is facing a crafty veteran. It's not some chump in there. You know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a reason why people say that, that Anderson is is the goat, even at this advanced age. I mean, we saw Anderson work out. Now, Anderson workouts are always tough to to learn much from because he he does that thing where he brings like ten people on stage and they're all punching and kicking and they're going through routines and he doesn't work out full speed. And I almost wonder if some of that's on purpose. Oh, you know, I, so yeah. like, you know. You don't need to see what I got. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. show you on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Just this week, I think, has set up for, for Izzy to be such a big star. And I got to believe that everybody down here um, – and, if I mean, the fans that can voice it, they're saying it. Obviously, the UFC can't voice it. <laughs> but, but I got to think, best-case scenario, they're thinking, boy, if we can get Robert Whitaker versus Israel yes. Adesanya, we are going to have a fight that, A, will resonate worldwide, but, B – will sell, like, hotcakes down here. Yeah. I mean, cement that Australian market, right? Yeah, man. Not that it needs cementing. These guys have been great. But, yeah, it, the, the, as soon as the Israel Adesanya workout was done, I turned to ESPN's Brett Okamoto and I went, that guy's star power pouring out of his fucking sweat glands. That's like, it, man. The eyes, like, it's just, the guy just exudes it. I mean, you, you talk about the it factor. I don't know what it is, but he has you it. You can't teach he, it. Like, he, He's got it. He just, yeah, it, it was just perfect. You know, the, it was just energy. Interestingly, if you contrast that with Anderson's workout, and again, you can't read too much into Anderson's workout, but I found it very interesting that Anderson did a big, the whole team did a big curtain, cool bow, and he got a little bit choked up when he was talking yeah. afterwards, and I was thinking, hmm, one of those felt like a coming out party, and one of those felt like a goodbye. And you know, and Anderson introduced his student, said, oh, Israel's not my clone, this guy's my clone. It did feel like a, hey guys, and... and as you said, man, it's the old guy getting one more shot at it. And if he wins, he takes a title shot. If he loses, yeah, man, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the swan song, you know? I mean, what what else does he do? I mean, you, you can't go much further down the rankings, you know, and just start fighting nobodies. You, you're the GOAT. You, you, you mentioned Brett Okamoto. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought Anderson gave a good answer to him too, man, um, at the press conference. And Anderson... You know, Anderson, first of all, like he kind of answers things weird sometimes. Like he's trying to it's like he's trying to be poetic or, you know, say things. And the other thing too is of course English is his second language. And I do appreciate the fact that he's trying to answer in English. Uh, I, I totally respect that. I, I get it. If I was trying to answer in Portuguese, it, it wouldn't sound very good. Um but nah, you're doing yourself a disservice there. You know, you know. Uh I don't know. Uh but you know, I did I did kind of respect the fact that he did say because you know, Brett brought up the fact, hey, your family has said before they don't want you to fight, and he said, Yeah, you know. They told me not to fight now, you yeah. know, but, but I told them, hey, this is me, man. This is what I do. This is what I love, um, and, and I want to keep doing this. And, and the other thing, you know, I, I spoke briefly to Dana White, and the thing that he said about Anderson is, like, listen, Anderson also, like, the fact that he busted my balls, that, like, what's in it for me, the fact that he wants a title shot, he's like, that shows me something. You know, he's not saying, yeah, pay me X amount of dollars and let me fight some chump. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come do this favor for you. I mean, not favor, but, like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I was going to say, I don't know who this kid is, but how interesting was that? That, that was crazy. Said, I watched this kid. I watched Israel Adesanya on YouTube, um, you know. Two years ago. Because I, I ago. told you earlier, I was like, I'm, I saw, I don't think Anderson's ever even seen Israel fight. And then he said at the press conference, like, oh, yeah, I watched him. And then he was signed to the UFC. I was like, oh. I, was that, like, I thought that was an interesting note, too. But it was cool. So for him to say, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll do this fight for you, but I want to fight for the title. Dana said, look, I mean, so we, you know, reading into that, man, like I see that this guy wants to compete at the highest level. And so that means something to me. So um, listen, best case scenario for the UFC, no question about it. Robert Whitaker wins. Israel Adesanya wins. No question about it. But, oh. but you know, listen, I mean, 
I guess if you flip it around, would you do Anderson? And, I mean, you, you tried to do Anderson and Gaston Laporte. <laughs> would you try to do it again for Curitiba? Now that you, you know what, that's and that's not a bad scenario. Maybe the UFC is in kind of a, a win-win situation I here because so. Curitiba in May is a stadium show. They need big names, big fights because they want to sell that stadium out. Anderson versus Gaston, or even I mean, I guess Anderson. I don't think he would fight somebody else and say, I have a title shot, but I must stay yeah. busy anyway. But, dude, doing that in a stadium wouldn't be bad. Dude, I think Anderson versus anybody for a world title in that stadium sells. I mean, he could fight a broomstick for a world title because they'll be like, it's the old guy. You know, he's, he's a legend, right? He is a legend, like, is. no matter what. So, yeah, man. Yeah, like the, I think the UFC are in a win-win situation. It's funny because before the show we, we were talking, if Israel wins and it's Robert Whitaker versus Israel, oh, man. Like the thunder from down under, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's yeah. got all the potential in the world. If Anderson wins, we get that story. The old man gets one more chance for glory. The only sort of issue could be is if Israel wins and then Kelvin wins, and then it's kind of like, eh, where do How we? do you sell that? I will. I, I agree. That's the only lose lose scenario. And no disrespect <laughs> to Kelvin, or, or, or but it's just there's not a natural market for that. Exactly. Like, oh, dude, that Izzy Kelvin fight that we've been <laughs> waiting to see, dude. Oh my like God. all the people from. Orange County have yeah. been waiting to see that Seattle's going to love that card. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. That's the only way they fail. All right, listen. Uh, these top two fights, man, I've enjoyed talking about them. I think they are. And listen, I know Dana White got mad when people called it a top-heavy card today, but that have is you, Dana you, White's Have you job. heard of Jimmy Crute or yeah. what? <laughs> have you heard of Jimmy Crute? Uh, you know, listen, uh, that is Dana White's job as a promoter. I, get, I, I do get frustrated when people are like, I can't believe Dana said that. Yeah. He's trying to sell his product at the highest level possible. Yeah. He's like, not going to be like, hey, guys, just show up about like, I don't know, yeah. six or seven. Yeah, like, fine. The rest of them will be done by then. You can just watch Izzy walk out. Yeah, it's not going to, yeah, of course. This is his job. We'll make sure that we post on Twitter when his walkout yeah, yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can, no, it's so true. It is, listen, those top two fights definitely stand head and shoulders above everything else. So uh, they are what matters, but we will talk more about it. But first, uh, let's talk about the, 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 the man of the hour, Israel Adesanya. I did have a chance to sit down and talk with him. Uh, for a few minutes earlier this week, one-on-one, and um, here's what he had to say. Is it give me an idea, man. I mean, it's been a year, you know, since you were making your USC debut, and now you're fighting Anderson Silva. What has yeah. this ride been like for you to get here? I think it's going to be five fights in one year because 221 was February 9th in America as well, February 10th here, so it's going to be a year in one day, but fuck it, I'm rounding it up. It's a year, five fights in one year. I don't know who else. Maybe Cowboy might be the only guy. So February 10th to February 10th, five fights, and I get to fight the GOAT. For me, this is like the best fight. This is the fight that I've been looking for, I didn't even know I want, because I get to fight the guy that brought me into the game, and I get to take him out of the game. It's interesting, you know, it's funny that you threw it out there, because everybody's saying you're fighting the GOAT. I did want to ask you, I mean, mm -hmm. is Anderson Silva the GOAT to you? I mean, he's certainly great, he's, mm -hmm. he's in the argument, yeah. but is he the, the, the number one for you? Number one, right now, uh, right now, no, obviously not. But history-wise, for what he's done at the time he did it, it's like what people say about LeBron and Michael Jordan. They did the argument, oh, LeBron's the go, Michael's the go. But those who are living now and seeing LeBron play now, it's because they're in the in the midst of it. You know, they're in the midst of the LeBron era, but they weren't in the midst of the Michael era. They'll see the stats, they'll see the highlights, they'll see all the shit, you know, the, all the whatever, the accolades but they weren't in the midst of the Michael era. They weren't in the 90s growing up at that time, watching Michael do what he did and feeling the vibe, seeing how crazy it was. So yeah, people who say maybe, I don't know, whoever, whoever's the GOAT now, they weren't really, they're probably new fans and they weren't really in the midst of what was happening when Anderson was the GOAT, when Anderson was just running through everyone. And it was like, come on, who's gonna beat this guy? 
you know, and him doing all the crazy shit he was doing. So for me, personally, I'll say Anderson's the best. Okay. Yeah. You said he brought you into the sport. I mean, it's funny because yeah, I know you have respect for him, right? But I know you also get tired of the comparisons. But yeah. I mean, so how do you how do you handle that, right? I mean, there's I mean, there's no way you can't look at him and say we do look a little bit of alike with our styles, right? Yeah, I so, took I mean, a lot of stuff from him, like a lot of like, dude. When I used to um, when I first started uh, fighting, my crouch. When I first I used to just the crouch by itself. That was me trying to imitate him, you know. Um, but now I've got my own crouch, you know. Mine looks like a little. A flying eagle and I've got my wingspan displayed and I'm just holding the fence just holding on just ready to attack and I saw something interesting recently I saw this kid uh, mind smash put a video on this guy who um he was mimicking McGregor like move for move to the entrance and everything and people were giving the guy shit like oh get your own style this and that. I'm like shut the fuck up you yeah, know like for me when I used to fight I used to do the shimmy the shoulder shimmy because Roy Jones I did the Ali shuffle because the Ali like I I'm a copycat ninja. I can copy different things from different people and then emulate it. So if someone sees something that inspires them and they want to copy that, let them do them. Eventually, they'll discover their own style like I have mine, you know? So I just pick and choose like a video game character, pick and choose what I, what I feel works for me from different people that inspire me. And then eventually, I'll just organically make my own style. So yeah, I just feel, yeah, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but at the end of the day, I am me. Can you go back to a year ago and think about honestly what your emotions were like and what your feeling was like? I mean, the you have, yeah, I mean, you have confidence. There's no doubt about it. You believe in yourself and you have a track record. So you have a right yeah. to believe that. But in your heart at that moment, did you really think all this that's happening, this rise to superstardom, this bout with the GOAT one year later? I mean, did you really think this was possible? Maybe a year later, but the Anderson one, I thought he'd be retired by this time still. So that's the one that was like a little monkey wrench in the mix. But, um, yeah, I think all this would have happened. I think maybe it was a year like quicker than I expected. But I knew it was going to be this fast. I knew like within a year and a half I was going to be fighting for the title. So yeah, it's on the it's on the right track. Probably by May, April, I'm sure. I'll leave it that. <laughs> <laughs> I dig. All right, let's talk about the fight itself. I mean, uh, he kind of made a little bit of waves by bringing in Alex Pereira to train with. Uh, That's just troll moves, man. I was gonna ask, what, what do you think about that? Okay, what's Look at it logically. How in the fuck is Alex Pereira gonna help him train for my style? Because, okay, he knocked me out in the second fight. He beat me once before. But people forget, before, like, the second round, I had him on wobbly legs, I had him on skates. I was about to take him out, but I didn't stay true to my style. You know, I, I listened to other people's opinions slowly sip into me after the glory fight. Fuck glory. After the glory fight, by the way. And then it just sipped into me and it was just like, Man, I, I need to take this guy out. So I just threw right hands. I remember I just threw right hands at him. And then I didn't, I didn't stay true to my style. Just chill, relax. Look at Brunson, I, I, got, I keep saying I don't throw in hope, I aim and fire. That night, I was throwing and hoping. Right hands only, not even like mixing them, just literally right hands only. Post, right hand, post, right hand. And I was hoping one of them would knock him out rather than just chill back, aim and fire. So yeah, if we fought now, it'd be a different story. And Alex is just trying to get some clout just off me because I'm doing way, 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 way better than him, you know? So uh, I don't even know if he's champion of fucking whatever anymore. I have no idea. I don't watch any of his fights, but I get you, I guarantee you, every single one of my fights he'll watch and he'll like try and get some, some shine off it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was nice with the sun right there. <laughs> yeah. 
What about you? What about your preparation? I mean, did you do anything special for this? I mean, uh, it, it seems like this is a, a moment that you've been building your lifetime towards. So did you have to do anything different? I don't say lifetime, but like, yeah, I've been working for this for a minute. But um, yeah, just same energy. Keep evolving. Even we worked our wrestling for this camp. We like we drilled, you know, a lot of our wrestling for this camp. And people would, why would you do that? He's not going to take you down. This is MMA. Are you sure? Have you seen his fights with Nate Marquardt? You know, I've seen his fights with uh, Stephen Bonner. So yeah, I have, to, I have to make sure everything's sharp, everything's on point. So I just keep evolving. I don't really, the camp doesn't really change much. It just, we keep evolving. We're just trying to get better as fighters. We're not really trying to, and then uh, amongst all that, we pick the certain shots that we know are gonna work for him. And then we drill those and we get those sharp. But we evolve on everything off my back. Uh, man, I got some shit. Don't be surprised if I submit him. Let's just say that. Don't be surprised if I, if I, if I catch him slipping. Yeah. Were you impressed with the, uh, the wrestling display that was on the countdown show? I think we were all impressed by what we saw. Oh, yeah. Were you glad they, they oh, threw that right. in there? Let, yeah. people, let people see you know, what you're about? Yeah, I mean, that was nothing. That was just me working, playing. That was fun and games. We are playing a game. And did I win that day? I didn't win that day, but we were just playing a game. It's whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm snatching people. Let's just say that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really calm. I'm, I'm learning my body now. I'm learning what I can do with, uh, with my limbs and grappling. You know, every fight for you in the UFC has gotten bigger, of course, and it's happened quickly. And you've got a ton of experience in other combat sports. But going into this fight, I mean, does this fight week have a special feel to you? Does this moment feel different than others? It feels even less. Like, literally, I've noticed. I was like, fuck, I haven't posted anything. Like, New York, I remember I was on, like, I was posting a lot. My stories, were, I was posting a lot. But this week, I'm just like, mm. Let's get to the fight, like the fun bit. I just think I'm, I'm over all this. Like I've done all this leading up to this fight even more than usual. So I knew like this is gonna be bigger than the rest. So yeah, I'm just like, let's just, let's fight. So I haven't really, it's felt a little bit bland to be honest. So far, so far, yeah, it's felt, this fight week's felt bland. Even though I did a little bit of media stuff, went to some places, you know, smile away, signed some shit, it felt bland. So yeah, it might get spiced up. Maybe the open workout spicing it up. I don't know, we'll see. We'll have a little but, uh, fun out there and yeah. see. But so far it's just bland. You know, your style that you've created is so naturally entertaining. I mean, it's just, it's fun to watch. So I wonder when you go into big stages like this and big moments, like when you go into a fight, do you think about the desire to be entertaining, like to make sure the crowd is pleased or does it just, does it just unfold that way? I don't give a fuck. Like honestly, for me, I think that's just me, who I am. My style is just entertaining. I've never been in a boring fight in my life and I don't try to be in an exciting fight. I don't try and look for the fight of the night checks. I can, I can get those without even like getting hurt. I'm pretty sure. I can, if, it depends on the guy. If the guy's really tough and he can take a beating and he can withstand a beating, then yeah, I think that could be fight of the night. But I don't look for like back and forth, you hit me, I hit you, fight of the night type shit. I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm interested in the way I fight. I'm excited, just the way I move, just the way I approach the game. So I'm looking forward to that bit where literally he says, Herb Dean says, you ready? You ready? Let's go, and then we just like slide across the octagon. He's gonna circle off, but I'm gonna slide across and cut him off. And yeah, I, I, that's the moment I'm looking for. Very nice. Mm. Lastly, for me, we know that Anderson Silva has been promised a title shot. That if he wins, he gets a title shot. Do you feel like you're competing you, dude, for those same stakes? Like literally, I've talked to Dana. I had a meeting with him in Sydney, one on one. Me and him in a room for 40 minutes talked, and this is everything's unfolding the exact way I planned. If it had happened the way he wanted, I would have fought Anderson or Jacare on the ESPN card. But I'm very persuasive, so everything's happening the way I planned. And let's just say, I'm gonna set that place on fire after the fight. Yeah.
And then, hey, use the pluses of elimination. Look at the division right now. Who else? Who's busy? I mean, what's happening? So, I, I can't say anything. I'm focused on this fight. I'm focused on this fight. But let's just say, things should play out the way exactly I want them to play out. And we'll just use, use the process of elimination to, you'll see, you'll see. It's not that hard to figure out. <laughs>
I love it. You know, I like. He, he's like, he seems like a jovial kind of guy. Yep. Just in this world of trash talk sales, and everyone's trying to be, you know, maybe the next Connor or at least some sort of fashion of him. Every so often, and I think you have this with the main event as well. Every so often, it's nice to just have a guy who's like, "Hey, man, I just like fighting and going home and chilling. Like, Let's just go have a scrap yeah. for some money." And it's kind of, it's almost like we've reached a point where that's the unique bit like oh these guys are just happy and like to see that between him and Alvy was like oh fun like we don't always have to be like ah and stylistically they should be fun yeah that's what I will say about this card and we'll, we'll talk about a little you know the rest of it briefly but um, I will say about this card like I said Ricky Simone Hani Yaya I get why nobody's going oh yeah that's worth my 50 bucks but I think it could be a fun fight. Montana La Rosa, Nadia Kassim, Sam Alvijuker, and, and there's some others we'll talk about in a second. But I do think this is going to be one of those cards. Now, I don't want to do the cliche, yeah. oh, it's the cards no one cares about <laughs> that end up being the best. Oh, my God, you just took my talking yeah. point. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say that, but it is funny because, you know, look, we're flying down here, and we know we're, we're here to cover, you know, we're flying a long way to cover two big fights. Yeah. But you start looking at it, and you go, oh, wait, that could be fun. That could be entertaining. And I do think this is this is one of those. Alvy Crute, man – their styles should be fun, and Crute, the people around here are very high. On Crute, oh, yeah. Man. They they love Jimmy Crute. And then Sam Alvey, of course, everybody knows Alvey's pedigree by now. Um, the women's fight, Montana De Rosa, Nadia Kassim. Um, you know, listen, we talked to Nadia. She's an interesting character. Um, interestingly enough, she's one of three different fighters this week that talked about taking some time off for yeah. mental health, for for depression. You know, she's it's been uh, a little over a year, I think like 14 months or mm-hmm. something like that since she's fought. Um she did have a back injury along the way. She threw out a disc, which is crazy because she said she did it uh, like playing with her niece and like riding a little kitty bike and wow. like she fell on the ground. Like it tipped over while she was doing a wheelie, like messing around and imagine, threw out a disc Imagine in that cool to the UFC. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, well, here's what happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, you know, she went with that. But then she said also, look, I, I took some time off from mental health. Um, and, and she wasn't the only one. Shane Young said that and Lando Venata said that. Um, all three of them talked about mental health, and you and I were kind of talking uh, on the way over here. I find it interesting, number one, that three people on one fight week would say it. Yeah. Um, but I also – I mean, it's definitely understandable. We, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we love the sport, man. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, lows. And it really is. The lowest of lows, like, I mean, you might not get to be out in the public eye for another six months. You don't get to go prove – I mean, all that hard work, and now you got to go second guess. Was it all for nothing? Or did I do it wrong? Do I not belong here? I mean, it's a lonely world. Lando, um, who I talked to this morning, you know, I was like, how, how did you get over it? And he was like, look, man, the thing was, like, I just had to get back out in the world, like, do things that I enjoy. Like, you know, you don't want to show your face. It's embarrassing. You got beat up in yeah. front of millions of people. It's, it's tough. But um, it's interesting, and, and you mentioned, you know, Tyson Fury, like I wonder if that's why. Of course, um, you know it's it's it's. I do feel like it's kind of um, more in vogue, so to speak. You yeah, know? I, I mean, I it's definitely that. something more to talk about. But you're right, you know, um, Tyson Fury. I think maybe a, a, a kind of a, a, a big piece, and people feeling more comfortable talking about that. Well, also, I don't. It's almost like it's surprising more of them don't talk about it because if you, Chael Sonnen once said, and I'll never forget, he said, "Imagine if you love something more than anything, but you can only do it three times a year." Like now, imagine if you lose one of those times. It's heartbreaking. I, I, I'm, I'm sure half of them go through some stage of. It's like having a breakup. You know, it must be awful. And I respect and admire any one of them who can stand there and say, "This is what I dealt with." And I do think. I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoken to these three guys uh, about like if this affected them. But Tyson Fury taking that big stage, I think. 
he sort of made it mainstream, right? And like I said, it has been in vogue. I think, you know, 2019, we're all a bit more accepting of people like, oh, yeah, I understand. Hey, I cry in the shower sometimes too. It's been a long weekend, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's been interesting that on this one card, three of them have said it. And actually, Nadia was the one that stood out to me. She said, oh, I've been struggling with this since I was a childhood. Yep. And she actually said, now I'm on the right medication. That's right. I mean, that that would suggest there's been a very serious issue for her. And I admire, more so than if she tried to push through it, I admire the fact she said, listen, I need to take 12 months to 40 months away to get good. Yep. I can't just fight through it. I respect that more than if someone was like, I'm going to ignore the problems affecting me. I'm going to just try and get through it because I imagine you're doing more long-term damage. So when she said that, I was like, well, fair play to you. Like, and it's crazy because, you know, and, and, and I should say, man, shout out to Mauro Ronaldo as well. You know, Mauro Ronaldo has been a big uh, a big proponent, yeah. and he's constantly out there about it. The bipolar rock and roller, if you haven't seen that by now, like definitely check that out, man. It is powerful. Uh, but, you know, it, it's funny because here we are talking about losses, and that's sort of stuff. Shane Young, who was another one of the ones that talked about it, you know, he was coming off a, a performance of the night bonus winning victory yeah. when he said depression set in. He started to realize, like, man, I was chasing this for fame and money. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not world champion, but I got the, you know, I'm from a small town and I got this fame and, you know, $50,000 where I'm from is a lot of money. Right. You know, he's like, and I wasn't fulfilled. You know what I mean? It didn't do what I thought it was supposed to do for me. And, and that caused me to question things. So it is, you know, I, 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 not, I mean, I'm sure most people listening to this are like, aren't you guys supposed to be drinking beer? And enjoy, you know, but I do. Don't worry, we are, yeah, guys. No, we are. <laughs> you know, I, I think. Yeah. By the way, the Smirnoff is, is flowing very quickly. I, I respect. I respect your hustle over. I said I respected your hustle in the workroom. I respect your hustle on the table over here too. Listen, man, we're not here to play games. I'm okay? telling. You said it's going down smooth. But no, you know what? I, I do think it's important just to, to, to humanize every now and then these athletes, man. Agreed. I mean, you and I, you know, working in the field, we see these people. And, yes, we see all the stuff that, that our, you know, our readers and our watchers see on camera because, obviously, we're conveying that to them. But then we get to see what happens when the cameras are off. We get to see, you know, moments that they were never meant to be. We get to hear kind mm -hmm. of personal discussions. And, you know, keyboard warriors are always going to be keyboard warriors. There's always going to be the online BS discussion. But I do think sometimes when, you know, you're talking about – this guy sucks, or this girl that, or this. Remember, man, these are human beings that are that are that are making some incredible sacrifices. Yes, for their own financial gain, but also for our entertainment. And like these things that happen, you know, on a week to week basis. You know, yes, hey, man, we just we just move on to the next fight card. Yeah, they don't move on to the next fight card. It's not like baseball where you're like, ah, oh, well, we lost it today. We'll get back out there tomorrow. We'll do all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like as you said, you get to do it three times a year if you're lucky. And not to mention, it's not like you lost a game. You lost a fight. And I always look at Ronda Rousey. When Ronda Rousey, you know, crumbled after the Holly Holm fight. If you th Actually, I always think about it, not only that, but also Dustin Poirier losing to Conor McGregor way back when. You've trained your entire life to be able to beat someone in that cage. And then someone shows up and says, I'm going to knock you out in six weeks in the first round. And you go, this idiot, I train like a motherfucker every day. And then they do it. You take, it's a tough individual to go, I'm still a fighter, mm -hmm. and this is still what I do. Because Ronda's identity was so linked to her career, that's, that's why. It yeah. was her entire identity. That's why, and, and that's why when she lost, she didn't know who she was, and she said that publicly. But it's, yeah, these guys, like you said, the keyboard, like, sometimes you need to stop and think, like, we're not talking about a brand. Right. You know. Daniel Cormier is not a brand. He's crying in that cage because, A, he just got knocked the fuck out and he doesn't know what's happening. And, B, because he's a human being with motivations and dreams. And, yeah, I think uh, 
I think MMA attracts a very passionate crowd, which I think is essential. I love the passion. But I think sometimes you can be a little bit like, oh, come on, dude, you're meant to be tough. You're a fighter, right? Let's get back in there. It's like, yeah, it's not that easy for some people. That's it, man. Some people need to take a little bit of time to just get their line, their world back in alignment, you know? No question, man. I, just just respect the athletes involved, man. I think that means a lot. So, All right, listen, uh, I do want to kind of talk about the prelims. We've got some other stuff I want to get to that's kind of cool as well. But before we do that, uh, I did have a few minutes with USC President Dana White after the press conference today. I got back there, had a, had a few one-on-one minutes with him, uh, you know, Listen, he uh, he was a little loopy. He said from the flight, I'm sure he got stuck with the middle seat. You know, he probably <laughs> probably probably didn't know when. You know, booked late. Uh, uh, you know, forgot to forgot to click in for the A group. Typical day, yeah, Typical stuck with Dana. the middle seat on the way over. Uh, so he didn't break a ton of news, but we did talk about this card and kind of some updates and what's going on. So uh, before we get to the rest of it, let's talk to USC President Dana White. But Dana, this card, I mean, it sold out in minutes, right? I mean, incredible crowd is going to be on hand. You, you you follow the metrics. Is there one person or one fight that you can point to to say this is what? the tickets so we got it we got a uh, you know a champion from this country you know and you got a, a rising star from New Zealand you got a legend in Anderson Silva you know uh, Kelvin Gastelum uh, is a great opponent for him because he's you know he's always uh, overlooked but he's a knockout artist and people know that this is a real fight you know you, you mix all that together plus other than that knucklehead that was out there about the the top heavy card, you got guys like Crew Cara France, um, you know, uh, tons of great talent on this card, and that's what sells out in seven minutes. When you see that happen, I mean, this has been a steady market for you, and you say it's a great market. Give us an idea of the plans for 2019, and when you see an arena sell out that fast, you start saying, you know, maybe we can do a few more dates, maybe we can do a couple more times. Yeah. So basically, if you if you look at this is promotion 101 what we're doing right now out here in Australia and and then we sit back we see what happens on Sunday see how this whole thing plays out and then we make our next move and where we go from there when the idea came together to put the Adesanya and Anderson Silva together I mean stylistically it's incredible right but were there any concerns like man Anderson's getting up there we haven't seen him in a while is he okay with this younger cat no it depends on one thing and one thing only when I sat in a room with Anderson Silva and, and, and offered him the fight and he's like okay but what's in it for me what's in it for this fight I said you'll be the number one contender he said I'm in I want the belt back and and I love that I respect it so much and uh, that's when you know whether a guy listen if Anderson Silva was like listen I'm just looking for a guy for a paycheck you know I'm, I'm getting up there I don't want to fight tough guys anymore this isn't the place for you there's plenty of places out there when you've seen we when guys that's their attitude we let them go and we let them go fight wherever they want to um, this isn't the place for that and Anderson Silva isn't that guy and I love that about him Whitaker, you know you touched on a little bit up there. He's not a big braggadocio, trash-talking guy, but what he's done, his run, the wins over Yo Romero, it's incredible. What do you think it's going to take for him to, to catch, so to speak, to, you know, to start getting recognition as you know one of the best fighters in the sport? Listen, Chuck Liddell didn't become a big star overnight, neither did Anderson Silva and many, many other fighters. Um, you know, When you have that type of personality that's very low, he's just like Chuck and he's just like Anderson. Um, you just have to keep doing your work, man. Keep doing your work. Keep, keep beating people keep knocking people out and eventually everybody opens their eyes and goes wow this guy's great you can't dictate what happens on on sunday morning but a lot of people in this region they're saying boy if whitaker wins if adesanya wins wouldn't that be an amazing fight so i want to think you know you can't look ahead but if that fight comes together i mean do you think that's big enough that it could you know revisit a stadium do something that big down here um that that fight's massive i mean if that happens that fight's massive so we'll see what happens on sunday and uh and we'll go from there 
Let's get a couple quick big fight updates. Everybody wants to see Cowboy against Connor. You know it. They want it. When's it going to happen? What's it going to do? Yeah, I don't know. You, you know, I'd like to see Connor fight this summer. So um, those two want to fight each other. They've both earned it. Cowboys fought anybody we've ever put against them. You know, we, we throw this young killer Hernandez at him. Uh, Cowboys, the underdog, he goes in and, and you know, does it the way he did it. And then Connor's fought everybody. If these two want to fight, I'm down. Habib's team, and by Habib's team, I believe Adel Aziz is saying, like, they don't think Tony Ferguson deserves the next shot at that title. What do you think? I mean, I, you've said that Tony deserves it. Are you still in that camp that that needs to be the fight that's next for Habib? Of course Tony deserves it, and he's the number one contender. He, he's the guy. That, that's the fight. Uh, that, that's the fight. Any idea when it might happen? And I wonder, it's kind of a weird situation with Habib saying, you know, I'm off suspension, but I, I'm, I'm not going to wait till my teammates are off. I mean, if he does that, do you get in a position where you got to start thinking interim title or stripping or something along those lines? Well, I hear these things, but Habib hasn't told me that. I hear these things in the media and things like that. I haven't heard it from Habib. So when, when we talk, we'll figure it out and we'll see what happens. Dustin Poirier is out there just begging for a fight. That man's on a tear. What, what's, what's the plan for Dustin Poirier? Yeah, I talked to him, too. He's fired up, and he wants a shot, too. You know, the problem is, and it's a good problem to have, that division is so stacked. It's the same thing with the middleweight division. If you look at the middleweight division and the 55-pound division from the champion all the way down to number 10, it's ridiculous. So you're going to have a lot of guys, you know, wanting that title shot, and that's a great thing. You gonna put something together for Dustin soon? Or do you have yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get Dustin out there. Cool. A guy from down here, Alex Volkanovski, has been making the rounds this week. You know, he's saying, "I'll take Holloway. I'll take Aldo. I'll take Edgar. Give me something big." What do you, what do you got lined up for him? Love this kid. Just came off a big win off a guy I respect very much, uh, in Chad Mendez, and um, we're gonna get him something good. I know he's looking for things that just make him go this way, and uh, we'll get him what he wants. Any hint on that? No. But we'll get him what he wants. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, you've been asked over and over about the flyweights, and you even talked about it today. I just want to ask you, I guess, a different way. When, is there a date? You know what I mean? Everybody says, have you made a decision? Have you made a decision? No, we haven't. Is there a date that you say, because even Henry Cejudo's walking around saying, I don't know what's happening, and I wish I All did right. know what's happening. Do you have a date, a plan in mind to say, man, we've got to have this thing figured out by no, so? No, I don't. And, and nobody needs to know what's happening. Listen, we're, 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 uh, when, we, when we're ready to say one way or the other, or if we were doing something, we'd come out with a... Uh, with the press release, you know, nothing has been said. This has all been speculation because of what we're doing. You know, we've been letting guys go. Um, but yeah, there's no decisions made. Believe me, when, when there's time to make a decision, we will let you know. The last thing for me, Dan, I appreciate the time. I wanted to ask you about heavyweight because we thought we were getting DC and Brock, but it's been kind of quiet on that front. Now DC and Stipe, they're starting to go back and forth on social media a little bit. Give us an idea of what you see because we know DC's on that timeline. Yeah. What's, what's the plan at heavyweight? Well, I don't think he has a timeline. DC's hurt. And, you know, he was talking about retirement. You know me, I'm the first guy to say when somebody needs to retire, that guy doesn't need to retire. He's the man. Um, and I think he's probably got three fights left in him. And in a perfect world, which we know this isn't a perfect world, I think you see Brock. I think you see Stipe and hopefully John Jones. And those are his three. You know, he'll go out with a bang, man. And, uh, and, then, and then he'll probably retire. You made the trip down here. What do you, what do, you do now that you're here in Melbourne? I just landed. I'm all loopy still uh, from, from, from flying in. But no, I love it down here. I'm going to get me some meat pies. And, uh, and uh, I can't wait for this fight on, on Sunday, man.
All right, that was UFC President Dana White uh, again defending his top heavy card. It's it is top heavy. Don't but that's that's his job. Nobody's yeah. nobody's job is to tell you that their their product is you know yeah has some holes or yeah. whatever. Still a good card. Still those the, the heavy part is good. Uh, the quick <laughs> the quick little news items. Uh, Listen, I know you – again, we said right off the top, man, just because you work for the Mac Life doesn't mean you have this, uh, you know, pipeline to Conor McGregor's every move. Uh, but he's saying Conor – he wants – you know, Conor wants to come back in the summer. He's down. Um, and that, of course, the fight that everybody's been talking about, the Cowboy fight, that he's okay with that. Take your uh, employment out of it, I guess, if, if, if that's possible. But just personally, like as a fan, I mean, to me, that's – it just seems – well, I don't even want to influence your pick. But to, doesn't to <laughs> me that seem like a no-brainer? Like, is that the right fight? Dude, uh – Every so often in this sport, we talk about stories. Every so often in this sport, there's a, a fight that just is like a no-brainer. For me, the Izzy versus Anderson fight actually was a no-brainer. I thought, like, let's, let's, if you're going to get behind Adesanya, yep. let's get behind him. Right now, Connor versus Cowboy. Dude, I mean, come on. It just makes so much sense. Like, on every obviously, level. Obviously, McGregor's coming off the loss to Khabib. Right. Connor, uh, Cowboy's on his rise up. You know, it, it, in that last fight with Hernandez, it's like Cerrone finally answered the... If you put pressure on me, I buckle. So true. Hernandez came at him. He withstood it. He got hit a bit, and then he just was like, "Nope, I'm here to I'm here to stay." Right. When was a better time? And plus, the two of the most beloved and colorful characters in the sport. That's right. Like it doesn't matter if it's for a contender. It doesn't matter if yeah, it's for a like, title. Let's just- get it. Two of the characters of the sport. It's it's like when Anderson. Whoever draw that little cartoon, I'm sure you've yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust Brack. Dust Holy good. crap! That that was so cool. When you're talking about characters, like yeah. that's a video But it's so true, yeah. right? Like the cowboy comes to find the Irish man drinking whiskey. He's right. ready for the fight. Like yeah, let's let's fucking do it. And then it reminds me almost of like Anderson. And it's funny because you could actually draw it the other way. Like yes, you can. Like cowboys at the bar with his Budweiser, and Connor comes in like a gangster. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, ready like, to go. For yeah, it, you know? dude, like it's. After how heated and personal the Nomagamado fight got, I think it would be quite cool to get back to a, just a fun fight, a bit of shit talk between the two of them, but a fight where ultimately you know the two have respect for each other and just want to have a... Uh, Dana White said it, you know, if he wants to call somebody and be like, can you accept this fight? Those are the two at the that's top right. of his list. Yeah, let's go, man. That's a, that's a fun fight and I think it's it's the perfect time for it. You know, it's true, too, man. Like, I, as you were talking about that, you know, it kind of made me think of, uh, you know, we had Joanna and Jacek here this week as a guest fighter. And, you know, she talked about the need to just get away. Not she didn't talk about depression or mental health, but she did just say just a break from the sport, you know. Mm. like, and, and you talked about, I mean, dude, her life has been under the spotlight. Under my, like, every fight she's had is, like, personal, intense, you know. And, and I, I think she needed some time to decompress. And, and um, you know, I kind of think, too, like, wouldn't it be nice? Not not that Connor's not going to come in and sell. Not that he, I mean he's going to be Connor, but one that's not. I mean, dude, the build up to the Mayweather, yeah. the build up to Habib, the you know, just the the, the oh, it's I mean, almost like being a victim of your own success, right? right? You know, this is what got you to the dance. And I I actually always think back to a comment Connor made years ago. I think when he was still a featherweight, where he's like, if you took out all this other bullshit, I'd clear the division in four months mm-hmm. because that's what he, he likes to fight, right? He doesn't right. like to just. It's part of it. He's good at it. He enjoys that bit so much. But, like, yeah, man, the bigger he gets, the more heavy it gets, right? So true. And I think with Cerrone, like you said, it wouldn't get that heavy. No. I think that a couple of press conferences. Yeah, man. I imagine there would legitimately be some whiskey and Budweiser drunk out of press conference. 
<laughs> that would be great. Have at least set the on sale. Like, hey, camp's about to start. We're eight weeks out. Dude, let's I'm, just get together. Here's some proper twelve. Here's some Budweiser on each side of the stage. Bro, I'm telling you, if you think Cerrone's going to back down from a drinking contest, you're wrong. And if you think McGregor owns a whiskey business and is not going to take every opportunity to drink it, you're wrong. So I think it could be a fun thing in almost like a new kind of way. It'll be like, hey, just Cerrone's. I think Cerrone, I never forget when we were backstage at UFC Brooklyn, Cerrone came back and we asked him, oh, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'd love to fight Connor. He was like, you know, he's going to talk a lot of shit and then he sort of paused and went, fuck, like that, you know. <laughs> he already knows, he already knows. Oh, I'm going to have to deal with this. Yeah, he's like, oh God, this is going to kill me. But yeah. I th- I just think, like I said, every so often a fight makes sense. Yep. This fight just it just makes sense. I completely agree with you. All right, back to USC 234. Uh, we'll just kind of burn through these prelims. Dong Young Ma, who was previously Dong Young Kim, is fighting uh, Devontae Smith. He was maestro Dong Young Kim. Uh, I spoke to Devontae Smith this morning. He had a funny story. I said, uh, hey, you know, did you have trouble kind of researching this guy considering he just changed the name stuff? He's like, yeah, actually, like my manager called me and told me I was fighting Dong Young Kim. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, that dude's huge. I'm a lightweight, man. Like, He's like, no, 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 the other Dong Young Kim was now Dong Young Ma. So that was funny. Uh, Austin Arnett uh, is here against Shane Young. Against Shane Young, you know, I thought was uh, amazing and talking about his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Austin Arnett, you know, just picked up his first UFC win. So, you know, two guys. And it was funny because both guys said that, which is random because these guys aren't like at the top of the division. And both guys were like, I kind of looked at the other guys like, that'd be a great fight. You yeah, know, yeah, and, that, yeah. and now they're together. Kai Car France. A lot of people here in Australia are high on Kai Car France. Yeah. He had an incredible debut. And, man, the way he carries himself is, is awesome. His, his uh uh, you know, just his demeanor and, and his professionalism is incredible. And the way he fights is great, too. Uh, against Holly and Paiva, who, uh, you, if, if you didn't watch the Brazilian Contender Series, completely understand, but had a great fight to get in, kind of showed who he is, has this amazing record of 18-1, and one, and who I didn't know, but because um, I was asking him, like, dude, here you are debuting in the flyweight division. Like, we don't even know what's happening in the flyweight division. He's like, yeah, actually, that's the first time I ever fought at 125. He's like, <laughs> he was like, I'm a bantamweight. Uh, and they didn't have any bantamweight openings. So he's like, I went to 125 for that. Wow. I was like, oh, okay, so you're good. So um, pretty impressive. Teruto Ishihara is here. Teruto Ishihara, I, I, look, I know it's not politically correct to say my bitches and I think now he says my ladies uh, but I still love his swagger I saw him earlier this week he's got short hair now but yeah. he's, he's still got swag uh, against Kyung Ho Kang uh, that's all on the by the way, by the way prelims. bring back the bitches okay it's fine <laughs> just deal <laughs> with it fucking deal with it <laughs> <laughs> that's all on ESPN which is cool man ESPN now so I know everybody's trying to figure out where where you know am, am I on ESPN plus am I this this weekend you don't need ESPN Plus. Now, if you want the first three fights, which we'll get to, Marcos Mariana versus Lando Venata, Callum Potter versus Jalen Turner, Luigi Buren versus Jonathan Martinez, those will be on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, then you go to ESPN proper, um, and then you go to pay-per-view. Dude, look, I, you know, I don't know what the pay-per-view success of this is going to be. We get it. More people are hyped for the co-main than the main. And I don't, I don't pretend to be a business analyst, a pay-per-view expert. I'm just not. Um but you got to think, man. I mean, you live in the States, man. Two hours on ESPN leading into a pay-per-view. No disrespect to the FS1 lead-in before, but two hours on ESPN leading into a pay-per-view. That's got to be worth a couple of buys, right? Uh, you'd say so. Well, listen, Manny Pacquiao fought last month. It didn't do too bad. And I wouldn't imagine many of them were watching the prelims to that fight either. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get a fight. That's worth the buy. And I truly believe, no disrespect to our main event, but I really, just being around them, seeing the attention, 
I think Adesanya versus Silva could maybe sell a few buys. Maybe just one or two yeah. by themselves. It's got to be. I'm, I'm interested to see how much. I mean, listen, casual sports fans know the name Anderson Silva. Casual sports fans. I mean, he's not quite Chuck Liddell or, you know, and, and I don't mean that funny because I know Chuck just fought, but I mean just like in the lore of MMA history. But people know that name. And uh, Adesanya, man, if you can just see some highlights. If you can just hear some clips, man. Yeah. He's, if you, he's, if got, you, that it, he's got that it factor. Uh, dude, if you go on YouTube and type in Israel Adesanya and you watch one video, I would imagine you're tuning in to see him fight next time. I agree. All right, listen. Uh, let's do this real quick. Uh, something kind of cool. Um, Cole Coffey, who could not be here, he uh, actually went out and did some producing on his own. Uh, and he uh, got a hold of our man Simon Head out there in England. Simon Head and our, and our buddy Abby Subban, of course, uh, they were out there at this Bellator press conference. Uh, Paul Daly and Michael Venom Page, uh, th- you know, the entertainment era was <laughs> evident in, in Paul Daly and Michael Venom Page. Um, the press conference was so uh, big, basically, like so crazy intense that they ended up not facing them off. They were supposed to do a face off, and I think Scott Coker kind of. Kind of hit the override button and say, "Hey, man, veto on that. We don't need this. We don't need the security issue." So, uh, Cole Coffee said, "You know what? We know our man Simon Head was there. Um, l- let's get his take on it." So, Simon Head actually uh, ha- has a couple of minutes here, kind of explaining what the day was like out there in uh, merry old England, and, uh, and and shares a little bit of uh, of his interviews with those those guys. So, uh, let's hear a little bit about Bellator. That's right. From the February warmth of Las Vegas, Nevada, and the probably not too shabby weather down under. In Melbourne, we now throw to yours truly, Simon Head, in England. The home of terrible weather, of snow, rain, where the skies are always grey and the storm clouds are never far away. And they certainly weren't too far away in London this week when uh, Abby Saban and I went to the Bellator MMA press conference at Viacom's UKHQ in Camden, London. Now, that press conference was split into two halves. So what we had in the first half was uh, a bit of promotion for Bellator's newly launched European series where they're going to hold a load of events on European time zones, on European soil, largely largely featuring uh, the best European fighters they can get their hands on. Uh, Patricky Pitbull's been flown over from Brazil to uh, compete in the main event this Saturday night in Newcastle for the inaugural event. He's taken on Britain's Ryan Scope, who's 11-1, and unbeaten as 155 pounds. That's going to be a good test for Ryan Scope. If he can step up to Pitbull's level and, uh, and even get a win, then that's going to be an absolutely huge, huge night for him. Terry Brazier, the two-division Bama champion. He's taken on Chris Bungard, who comes out of the same training camp as uh, UFC light heavyweight Paul Craig. That'll be one to watch. And uh, keep an eye out too for Fabian Edwards versus Lee Chadwick. Chadwick is an absolute tank of a man at 185 pounds. He's the former Cage Warriors middleweight champion. He'll be facing Fabian Edwards, who's the younger brother of Leon Rocky Edwards and is an absolute monster at 185. He's got some serious knockout power. He's got sneaky good submissions. And if he can put Lee Chadwick away, then I think we're going to see big, big things from him in the not-too-distant future. The co-main event features reality TV star turned mixed martial artist Aaron Chalmers. Now, Aaron Chalmers was best known for uh, drinking lots of frosty beverages, guys. That might be something you're uh, you're familiar with. He used to uh, drink lots of frosty beverages and then make the acquaintance of uh, members of the opposite sex on the, uh, on the MTV show Geordie Shaw. He's a professional party animal, basically, 
and uh, him and his mates up there in Newcastle uh, became something of uh, a cult TV hit here in the UK. He's decided to uh, swap the disco lights for the uh, the bright lights of the Bellator cage, and uh, he's four and zero, having worked his way up through Bama and then been snapped up by Bellator. Uh, he's been fighting guys who are as inexperienced as he is, so he hasn't really faced a, a huge test yet. He's probably got the biggest test of his career on Saturday against Corey Browning, who beat Baby Slice in his last fight. I think the plan originally was going to be for Chalmers to face Baby Slice this weekend, but Browning threw a threw a wrench in those plans, and now Browning's in there uh, on his way to Newcastle to face Chalmers this weekend. It's uh, it's going to be a very interesting event. It should be a pretty good event. I think the uh, the crowd up in Newcastle is always always up for it. Um, and uh, the fight card is packed with the uh, British fighting talent. It should be an entertaining way to kick off that European series. But as I say, that was just the first half of this press conference event, and really, it was just the appetizer because after that, we had MVP, we had Semtex Daily up on the dais, exchanging words with each other while a very uncomfortable-looking Scott Coker kind of half grinned his way through the whole affair uh, and called an end to it before the two fighters decided to start getting a bit a bit physical with each other. Uh, we had no face-off, which was disappointing. We did have a bit of a... I wouldn't even call it a scuffle. It was just an exchange of words as the two men were being uh, escorted away from the dais. Um, Abby caught that on, on video, and you can check that out on the MMA Junkie YouTube page. But this is, this is a rivalry that's been simmering away for the best part of two years. And uh, we had the chance to talk to both guys uh, and got some very contrasting uh, emotion and contrasting information from the pair of them. Uh, let's talk about Paul Daly first. Paul Daly, he's got an immense amount of experience. He's been in there with some of the very best in the world at 170 pounds. Um, there's not much he hasn't seen in his mixed martial arts career. Um, but he hasn't seen an opponent quite like Michael Venom Page. And he explained to me in the interview that he's actually tailored his training without going too deeply into uh, MVP style. He says he's un- he's he solved the puzzle. He's, un- he's unpicked the stitching. He solved the puzzle. And he talked to me in an incredibly calm, relaxed way ahead of one of the biggest fights of his career. Here's what he had to say. Paul Sentex Daily with just... A matter of days away now before the uh, the fight that seems to have been years in the making. What's the overriding emotion now that the final media obligations here in the UK are basically finished after yeah. today? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I just feel pretty composed, pretty relaxed, and just excited for February 16th. You know, I'm not excited like like uh, I just feel like the time is right for the fight, and uh, February 16th it gets the you know we get to get in there. Do you remember the first time you met Michael Venom Page? Tell me about that. Uh, I actually don't remember it very clearly. I think it was on some kind of media battle of Britain or something like that. And he he was, uh, you know, I'd never seen him fight before. Um, honestly, I'd, I, I, and then I'd never seen him fight before. Didn't know anything about him. I thought he was a pretty cool character. You know, I thought he was someone that that, you know, would make the week go by quicker, lean up to fight week. You know, he's like a, a, a friend away from home, as such a colleague. Um, as a, maybe friends a little bit too too strong a word, but a colleague who 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 was you know cool. 
and how have things changed between you two since then? It seems to have gone. I know you were at pains to say that you know you don't you don't necessarily hate the guy. It's not a grudge match. No. But there's clear there's clearly it's some not, sort of abrasion just, between you two. Do you know what it is? It's not a grudge. He's just a little bit annoying, like a little baby brother as, as such. Um, not a grudge. I don't dislike him. I don't hate him. There's nothing towards him. This is not. Uh, a match that you know I'm gonna fight up for. I'm gonna be shouting in front of his face. That kind of tension there. I think think that is is not my approach to this fight. And because I just don't feel that way. I feel like he's asked for the fight. I was busy with other other stuff, trying to hit my own goals and fight the people I wanted to fight. And now the time's right to to make the fight. And it's it's kind of a it's not really. It doesn't mean as much to me as it does to him. Like he thinks I'm, I've been trying to avoid the fight, but when I signed it, I wasn't jumping up and down. I'm like, if he wants it, he can have it. It's not, it's not, it's not such a such an issue for me. And February 16th, like I said, we get to fight, and I, I, I'm saying, look, we're going to fight now, mate. Like this is it. You've got what you've asked for. I, I, you know, I hope you're ready. That's it. It's been a it's been a long career for you already. You know you've you've had yeah. plenty of uh, ups and downs, and yeah. you know even going back to your, you know the UFC days and the way things yeah. have the way things have changed. Do you ever look back at, at that and see the things that have happened in the UFC since and think, I lost my job for doing that, and yet there are people in the UFC who have done, a, you know, seemingly much worse, yeah. and, uh, really. and and things are very different for them. Not really. I I don't really dwell on the past about anything. I just keep moving forward you know for me to, to to consider those things does nothing for me doesn't help me um in any way i've just got to keep moving forward and if it was if it was a case of me you know looking back and hating and being a little bit bitter i probably wouldn't be in the position i am now i just continued working diligently kept fighting kept winning and uh i'm, I'm back here you know I've, I've been been back at the back at the top it's a it's a huge fight for the United Kingdom. Yeah. How how much of a shame is it for you personally that you're having to do it over in, in Connecticut rather than over here on home soil? It would have been nice um, to fight in the UK. Um, was I massively disappointed? No. Um, would it have been better in the UK in terms of build up? Most definitely yes. But I'm comfortable in America. You know, I've been fighting in America a long time. I've had a lot of fights in general and I, if I was to, to pick out some of my best performances there they'll probably be in America I'm very comfortable there and I'm one of the few Amer uh, British fighters that can say that I've got a solid American fan base and not solid in the sense that a few little uh, Instagram posts I've, I've got fans that are buying tickets to see me a British guy show up to an arena and and support me and not many British fighters can say or, or do that you've got significantly more fights on your record at a significantly higher level than Michael Venom Page. How how much of a factor will that be on fight night when you meet inside the cage? I think up up until now I think it's uh, it, it's it's a huge factor because not in terms of actually getting in the cage but this kind of this kind of thing that he's doing now and the stuff that he's been saying he thinks I'm erratic, he thinks I'm not very analytic, he thinks that um, I'm, I'm impulsive and he thinks that um, I'm someone who doesn't learn from previous mistakes and all of those things are incorrect and the, the, the kind of composure um, that I showed up there 
and the kind of behaviour that he tried to instigate for me is just a disguise of his insecurities and, and genuine fear. He knows he's in there with a, a very, very capable, very, very durable knockout artist. One of the worst people to fight. If you're not a wrestler, he's not a wrestler. To fight someone who's extremely durable, doesn't get stopped, doesn't get knocked out, and knocks people out consistently, that's a horrible guy to fight if you're a striker. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident. Um, but no, the, 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 the amount of fights doesn't play out too much when, when I'm in the cage. It's, it's having the experience prior to getting the cage and the things that I'm doing in camp now that will be decisive when we get in the cage on February 16th. How do you prepare for a guy like Michael? Because there aren't that many fighters out there who have the well, Michael, sort of fighting style that he has. Michael kind of gave me the clue to how to prepare for him. And in essence, it's not to prepare for him. My, no one, I'm not going to bring a guy in from sparring to dance and jig and do the break dancing because you know you can't get that combination in a fighter that is that is unique to Mike. But what is Michael Page? If you go back on YouTube and you see everything, his trouser kickboxing. He's a light contact fighter. Um, that's what he specialises in. And some of those things, they all do the same. You see, when Michael starts out in his light contact fights, it's exactly the same thing that he's doing in the cage, and he's fighting someone doing exactly the same thing. So he's not as unique as he thinks. And and the guys that I've brought into sparring, I said, look, you're not Michael Page. I want you to fight like you're on those mats, like you're in a leisure centre, fighting, point scoring, fighting, because that is what he is. And uh, and that's part of the illusion that I think people have bought into. He doesn't dance when he throws a punch. That's a distraction. And I'm, I'm that the, the, the bouncing back and forward motion, that is to unsettle you and to slide in so he can get his right hand. And I know that now because I've sparred these light contact, light, light contact fighters. I'm extremely well prepared for this fight. and. I, I just don't see how he can win, and I, I you know, it's yeah. it's almost like, how is he going to win? How is he going to win? He he's he's not a one punch knockout artist, and the guy that he he did put away with one strike was uh, and very old. You know, I'm experienced, but I'm not aging. Like I'm I'm a, a fresh experienced fighter. I'm not cyborg who's been in lots of battles, been KO'd before, taking lots of punches. I'm young. I'm athletic. I'm fast. I punch hard. I'm very durable. I can take a punch and I'm fully aware of what he brings into the cage and it's, it's, it's for me it's very a very simple simple victory looking back at some of uh, Paige's previous fights it's been very clear that he's got under their skin mid fight you've seen people get very frustrated yeah. and start to overcommit on things or do things that perhaps they wouldn't have prepared to do and yeah. he's taken them out of their game plan how key is it for you to make sure that you don't get dragged into that that, that is part of what I said before. It's preparing for that. Had I, I don't know how these other guys have prepared. Had I not had that experience with the light contact guys and had I not said to myself, look, I don't have to prepare for him to dance. That's a distraction. Me concentrating on what he's doing prior to the strike is a distraction. I have to recognize that moment when he's about to throw a strike. And that is all from light contact. And I admit the first sparring that I had with these guys was, it was, it's like, this is this is what I needed, and this it, at that moment I knew he couldn't beat me because I I'd, I'd realised what other people 
were feeling and I don't think they prepared for that. It is it is unsettling to be in there with a guy who's constantly moving, bouncing forward. And But when you get the rounds in and rounds in with these guys and you start to recognise these movements and these fakes, these setups and these traps, it's not that hard. And I think composure is going to be a massive key to this fight. And uh, I'm, I'm extremely composed and ready to perform. You certainly seem composed and, and, and you certainly seem ready. When push comes to shove on fight night, how are you going to get it done? I'm going to knock him out and obviously that's what I say that's what I've been saying for all my fights and that is that is what I do I'm going to knock him out um, and it, it you know he's not he's not prepared he's a great fighter extremely talented he's not going to beat me so there you go that was Paul Semtex Daly as I say hugely experienced and as you could hear there very very calm very relaxed talking to me very much like a man who already had uh, had solved the puzzle and knew exactly how things were going to pan out on fight night. Equally confident was uh, Michael Venom Page. I had a chat with him, and uh, we got the usual stuff from him. To me, he seemed a little bit subdued. He seemed a bit subdued during the press conference, um, and he was a little bit subdued while we were talking in the in the interview. And to be fair, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious why, because he... Sadly, lost his his father just before Christmas, and um, whenever you lose a loved one, it's always very very difficult. And people deal with these sorts of things in different ways. And you know, I put it to him that sometimes being able to throw yourself into your profession, or in, you know, in in his case, to throw himself into a fight camp, might potentially have been the release that he needed. And uh, he opened right up to me and explained that he really isn't a hundred percent sure whether he's made the right decision in following the fight through. Um, clearly there have been thoughts uh, with regard to whether he should pull out of the fight and give himself a bit more time to get things get things back on the level again after a difficult time in his life. Um, but he's decided he's going to go through with the fight. Uh, he's as confident as we've ever seen him in terms of the result, but clearly there's some, there's some internal conflict going on there and uh, he's facing a bit of a mental battle going into this. Ven- uh, MVP has always been a pretty bulletproof character in terms of what you see on camera when you talk to him you know he's he exudes confidence this was the first glimpse of anything other than that and uh you know I I tweeted it out during the week I said he fights like a superhero but he is a human being just like the rest of us and um you know he's going through a tough time of it I hope for his sake that when he does get into the uh into the cage next weekend in, in Connecticut that all of that is all of that is locked away somewhere in the back of his head and he's able to compete at his best um, so that we get the fight that you know we're all hoping to get and he can do himself justice. But it was a, it was a really revealing and interesting interview uh, and it just peels back a couple of the layers that perhaps we hadn't, hadn't really seen before from MVP. So uh, have, a li- have a little listen to what you had to say here and uh, yeah, that's a nice little way to leave it as we look forward to Bellator 216. Let's talk about Paul Daly, the fighter. He's got an awful amount of experience on you in terms of uh, time spent in the cage, different opponents faced, the level of the opponents faced. How much do you think you have to prove when you're stepping in with someone who's been in there at world championship level already? Uh, no, I, I, I don't really have to, to, to prove anything other than just doing the job that I normally do. Um, the same thing could have been said about multiple fighters that I've, I've, I've fought against. So... Sometimes, you know, the win record is not necessarily uh, amazing, but that's all experience. And that's all more experience than I would have had. So a lot of the guys that I fought have all had a lot more experience than myself. 
And again, even with the cyborg, everyone was like, oh, well, this is going to be your first test. And then what happened happened. And it's like, oh, well, well he was a veteran. He's, he's on his way out. And I feel that the same thing's going to happen this time. You know, Paul Daly's a veteran. He's this, he's that. I deal with him in the way I know I can. Then everyone's like, well, he was already on his way out. You know, he's not, he wasn't in his prime. And, this, and then, well, you need to fight this person next. And it's just going to be the same story over and over again. So, like I said, I'm just enjoying my own journey. I'm just having fun. How long do you think it's going to be before you get those, those doubters on side? You know, who, how many more wins do you need to, to get? And who do you need to beat before those doubters start to, start to tip the hat in your direction? You know, what? I think it's more a case of they, if my style of fighting can be infuriating to watch you can either really love it or you could be like i hate this guy now if you just dislike me as a fighter you might just want me to lose every single time so it has nothing to do with i could be champion for the next five years and it's nothing to you're still like nah nah he, this person's gonna beat him and that because you just want it to happen so those kind of people you'll never change and bring on side anyway so for me like i said i just keep creating the chaos because it just means a lot of people are talking about you and what's more important to you beating paul daly or advancing in the tournament and moving one step towards the the finale both because beating paul daly allows me to advance <laughs> so it's both like i i, it, I don't care i would have loved to have had this fight away from the uh, tournament and the only reason i say that is because then we would have had it over here and that's the that's the my only regret about it happening in the tournament the tournament's just something else it's just another something to promote out there something that you know it's, it's great that bellator is even able to organize and put on so i'm happy i'm i'm, I'm happy about that but for me uh the first things first beat paul daly then advance and then focus on douglas lima who's next the last one i know you've you've uh, been going through some, some some difficult times away from the cage sometimes being able to launch yourself into a fight camp can be a bit of a release so how, how tough has it been over the last few months and how how different will it be for you going into fight night with everything that you've had to deal with away from the sport? Uh, yeah, it's uh, horrible. Um, it, yeah, I, I've never been put in this situation before. Um, I actually don't even know if taking the fight is the right decision or is the wrong decision. I just feel like I need to have this fight. Um, I feel like he would want me to have this fight. He was equally as excited about, you know, seeing the fight and... Uh, yeah, it's hard to know whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Physically, in the gym, I felt amazing. Mentally, I don't know where I've, I don't know where I have been. It's only of recent I feel a little bit more like myself um, and being able to enjoy life a little bit more again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been. I've just never been put in this situation before. It's been very difficult. So I'll let you know after the fight. Ask me again. <laughs>
Uh, and then we went to uh, the open workouts, and there were another six of it. I mean, it was a long-ass day yesterday. But um, I, I talked briefly about Joanna and Jacek being there. Um, she did say, look, her next fight's going to be at 115 pounds. Probably won't be until late 2018. Um, Alex Volkanovsky, of course, I talked about uh, with Dana White earlier. He kind of they, they both kind of said the same thing. that yeah. like, there's something big on the horizon. You and I were talking while we were grabbing some lunch earlier, like um, Ortega maybe. I mean, because it, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's Holloway. Because, you know, I mean, maybe – no, it doesn't sound like it's Holloway. No, I don't think so. No disrespect. I don't think it's Aldo. And, and, and Alex kind of – just the way he was framing it, it's like he was kind of brushing aside Aldo. He's like, hey, no disrespect. I know he said he doesn't like me or, or – not that he doesn't like me. He doesn't know who I am. Uh, but it didn't sound like like he was trying to sell a fight yet. Right. Um, I think it's going to be Frankie and Max Holloway. Like, we don't know that for sure. But Ali's been saying that. And Ali Abdelaziz, listen, man. He's he's powerful, man. He's 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 got his uh, his finger on the pulse. It sounds like that's going to be the next one, um, and I guess a lot of that depends on if Connor does fight Cowboy. Because if you don't do Connor Cowboy, Connor Max sure wouldn't be a bad one at lightweight. It wouldn't be too bad. That's not too bad. So maybe it's Ortega. Anyway, that, so that's Volkanovski, um, Tyson Pedro um, came in on crutches. I was gonna ask. I wanted to ask him how his health was. You know, I remember <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't wait to ask Tyson see how his health is. And he walked in on crutches. I was like, oh. Well, that's how the health is, you know. Uh, Jake Matthews was there. You know, he said, listen, uh, uh, you know, I, I just had a kid. That's why I'm taking some time off. Yeah, I'm bummed about the loss I had. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, I had a lot of great wins as well. Um, Tai Tuivasa was, was holding court. He does not like Justin Willis. Um, I don't know. Out of all the people that we had on hand, um, what, what stuck out to you? What, what did you enjoy the most with the guest fighters? Because we had a crew. Well, you know, as you were talking, I was toying with the idea of do I tell this or do I not? And earlier you said, you know, sometimes we hear things before the cameras start rolling, sometimes we hear after. I mean, that's that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Tai Tuivasa <laughs> was talking about Justin Willis before he went on camera. Listen, he can say that I, he didn't say it, but I heard the man say, I'm going to break his jaw and then I'm going to fuck his mouth. <laughs> no, listen. As far as insults go, that's a strong that's one. That's pretty heavy. That's a strong <laughs> one, man. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty intense. Yeah, listen, you know, so this tie to Ivasa rivalry uh, dates back to Justin Willis and, and Mark Hunt and, 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 and everything that happened there. And Justin Willis, I think, kind of had some things to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, it got a bit, it got a bit like regional. I think Justin Willis maybe sort of mentioned his own race's background versus Ty's race. The Aboriginal background. Exactly. And, and, and two of us are. He kept trying not to get into it, but it clearly pissed him off. Ty does not like this guy. Ty, and, and uh, look, I don't, I try not to go for the cheap sell. You know, I try, but at the same time, I was like, are you are you basically saying you'd fight this guy like in the cage or not? He's like on site. On uh, site. You I, know I, how I go. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, so listen, Ty, to, okay, we're, we're sitting here talking about great fights with Robert Wurlicker and yeah, Kelvin yeah, Gassum, yeah. but uh, – it's still entertainment era. We still like to have a little grudge match and tie two Vice versus Justin Willis. I don't look. I I like Curtis Blades against Justin Willis. I do. No disrespect to to to, to Justin Willis. I just I think Kel, uh, Curtis Blades is you know a cut above right now. I would agree. But even you know coming off a loss, man, two Vice Willis. So I think that could headline a fight night down here. Well, dude, Ty said he'd take him off a loss, and uh, you know we talk about the entertainment era. We talk about this this and that, and there's so many you know. Off strikes from that, but sometimes it's just really cool to put this guy and this guy into a cage and just let them have a go. And I really think, dude, 
Ty is an intimidating guy. Yeah. This is the first time I've met him. He's a big guy. Very big. And everything about him screams, oh yeah, I'd punch you if I felt like it. <laughs> like, that's, so true. That, that's basically what you get from him. And so to see him actually pissed off at someone, I'd be interested in seeing what happened. To I would be too. I would too, man. I think they got to put that fight together at some point. Hopefully the USC matchmakers are paying attention and they'll and they'll cash in on that rivalry, man. Because I think I I think it would uh it would get some views. They man. need a bit of more security at the press conferences and the weigh-ins, though. They would definitely want some security there. So that, that was good. The other thing too I took from that, and I took not only from the conversation with Ty Tuivasa, but Tyson Pedro. You know, those are two guys that, that mean a lot to this market, and I've got an opportunity to talk to them a lot over the years. Um, I, I I've spoke to them both frequently, and they're both coming off pretty disappointing losses. Um, I did feel that both of them kind of took it seriously, and like, even though they're kind of known for being, hey, we're kind of laid back, we're fun, you know, we're, we're, we're happy-go-lucky kind of dudes, you know, I, I get the feeling that both of them kind of were like, hey, th- those kind of opened our eyes, man. Like, we, if, we, if we want to accomplish what we think we can accomplish, what we think we're capable of doing, we've got to step up. And uh, that's encouraging, man, because I think both those guys are, are incredibly talented dudes. Um, look, last thing for me, man, uh, I will say, and it got brought up at the press conference today, uh, unfortunately, Dana... Didn't have an answer on it, and, and I kind of thought that might be the case. But I will say, Dan Kelly not getting his final fight here, not getting a retirement fight here, um, to me, just a swing and a miss by the UFC. And and, and uh, I get it, man. I, I, I You know, Dan Kelly is not the, the greatest UFC fighter of all time, but, dude, and, and I, I've been down here a lot, man. He means a lot to this market. He means a lot to this country. He means a lot to MMA fans. Uh, in this area, and, and of course, you know he means a lot to uh, some of the people on the card as well, man. That have a lot of respect for him, and uh, I, I get that MMA is not necessarily a game of charity, and it is a little scary to say like I just want to walk out one more time. But the guy wants to walk out with his son, who has you know some needs and that sort of thing. I mean, it's just to me, you know, you talked about stories that are told over and yeah. over. You know, like it's just to me. Would have been the perfect ride into the sunset, and I maybe they you know maybe they thought matchmaking him favorably was going to be too hard because he is an older dude whose knees are you know taped, <laughs> you know held together by duct tape or whatever yeah. you know I mean like I I mean I understand the concerns I, I understand the concerns but um, I don't know man I just I know this isn't a sport of like I said just sending people out there for fairy tale stuff but I, I just feel like it. It could have been done. Listen, man, if Anderson Silva can get a title shot in 2019, Dan Kelly can get a retirement fight on a preliminary card in Melbourne. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not That's s- what I'm saying. Like, And again, no disrespect to the athletes on this card. But I would argue Dan Kelly would be more well-known and more successful and still more able than a couple of the other names on this card. Definitely more well known. Definitely would have gotten media. I mean, would have gotten incredible local media coverage. And I guess, you know, the argument against it would be, well, we're already sold out anyway. We have no tickets to sell, so why do we care about local coverage? But I don't know, man. I just, I felt like it was a miss. Oh, man, for me, it's just like, again, we talked about fights that are no-brainers, like Connor and Cowboy. Mm -hmm. Fuck, man. Give the guy a retirement fight. Really? Like, it's not... Like, I I, I honestly... As you nailed it, swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Yeah, the only disappointment, man. I I I wish I would have seen that happen. I wish it would have seen it come together, but it didn't. But what did come together is this fantastic podcast. While the Woo! sun is still out, can you believe it? We that- may actually go get to enjoy a little bit of this fresh air and sunshine John, before. If I may be so bold, yes. 
That looks like drinking weather. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. And I think we should take advantage of that. So, hey, everybody else, thanks for listening.